I think every working mom probably feels the same thing. You go through big chunks of time where you're thinking, this is impossible. Oh, this is impossible. And then you just keep going and keep going and you sort of do the impossible. Tina Fey. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, mamas. I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and today we're talking about a topic every working mom is sick of hearing about, having it all. But don't worry, we're going to do it in a slightly different way. Let's set the stage. For the month of June, we're talking about working motherhood. From working at home with kids, to making power moves in your career, building successful businesses, and handling the demands of parenting and emotional and household labor. Mostly, we'll be talking about creating careers you love while balancing things at home and ditching all the overwhelming guilt. I'm acutely aware, though, that these are tips. These are ideas of how to operate in a system that is largely broken and pushes women to feel less than, no matter what work and parenting choices we make. We can design lives that work for us and embrace our own skills and power. We can work and pursue our passions while raising incredible, happy, thriving kids. We can. Yet it's far from easy or automatic. We have to make a choice to define what having it all means to us, not what it means to society as a whole. And we have to celebrate progress, not perfection. Why? Because as Courtney E. Martin says, We are a generation of young women who were told we could do anything, and instead we heard we had to be everything. And we're surrounded by a society that expects moms to sacrifice everything for their children, where the standard best-case scenario belief is that kids are best off when in the care of their mothers 100% of the time. How can you be everything? How can you really be anything else when you have to be a focused mother 100% of your time? You don't need to be a math genius to see that 100% is all the percents. Surely, a mom interviewed in Amy Westervelt's incredible book, Forget Having It All, How America Messed Up Motherhood and How to Fix It. Surely, she rattled Amy when she said, When my children were young, I just understood that this was not my time, that this was a period of time in my life that was really for my children. It's one of those admissions that makes you go, What? No, that's not right while simultaneously nodding your head saying, yeah, I feel that too, mama. We're pulled by these competing notions, the knowledge that we didn't cease to be human beings because we had a child, and the weight of expectation, really the fear that we'll screw our kids up if we don't live up to everything moms are quote-unquote meant to be. It's hard. But here's where we stand. 70% of American mothers work outside the home, And over 40% are the primary or sole breadwinners. Most of those primary breadwinners are also single moms. In a Pew Research study on modern parenthood, almost 80% of women say their ideal scenario would be to work either full or part-time. Working moms are the reality, and with a certain portion of the population worrying loudly about declining birth rates, you'd think that we'd have more policies to support it. Things like maternity leave, affordable quality childcare, and better flexible work arrangements. So why don't we? Well, I think it's telling that another Pew Research study found that just 12% of Americans think the best situation for a woman with young children is that she's working full-time. Let's be abundantly clear here. This question is not about what's good for the kids. 
For that question, fascinatingly, 16% said having a mom who works full-time is the best-case scenario. The question was about what's best for the mom, and just under 9 in 10 Americans thought mothers would be better off if they weren't working full-time. Try to square that circle. 80% of moms want to be working. 90% of Americans think that moms would be better off if they weren't working. 33% actually answered in this Pew Research study that the best case scenario for moms is to not work at all. Only 4% said the same of dads. So while reality is that mamas are working and that largely we want to work, we're hearing the message. The majority of Americans think that by working, we're putting our kids at a disadvantage. And more than that, Americans think we would be happier if we were just at home with our kids, like we're supposed to be, right? The message is a constant wheedling buzz that has all working moms running themselves into the ground, trying to prove to everyone, and often ourselves more than anyone else, that no, no, it's okay. I can do it all. And that message also keeps many moms home who do want to work, but feel guilty about making that choice. I was just talking to a friend last weekend about a certification she's been working towards. She has a son, Henry's age, and has been a stay-at-home mom since he was born. She wants to use that certification to start her own side business, which I think is a brilliant idea. In talking to me, she said, I want to do it, but I keep asking myself, do I have the right to do this when my son needs me? And I know that's crazy. I know my husband doesn't ask himself if he has the right to work, but someone needs to be here for our son, right? The history of how we got to this place is long and complicated. If you're interested in hearing the full story, I highly recommend Amy Westervelt's book that I mentioned before. Because the idea of mom as the best and only primary caregiver hasn't always been the case. Over the last 200 to 300 years, it has fit certain political and philosophical narratives that changed the way we parent. It took us away from community and extended family parenting, and over time, put the onus on moms alone. To me, one of the most fascinating early facts mentioned in Westervelt's book was actually about wet nurses. In Paris in 1780, out of roughly 21,000 children who were born, 20,000 were sent to wet nurses. While the practice had started with the upper class, it had spread through all levels of society in France and eventually in England. Women had help with child rearing, either through hired help or community support, and used that time to support family businesses, socialize, and even, at the higher levels of society, hold salons and court that gave them a public intellectual role. Historical research actually suggests that the upper class initially adopted the practice as a larger move by women to distance themselves from motherhood in order to gain rights and relationships as individuals. Our undervaluing of caregiving and appreciation of mothers as individuals is not a new struggle, apparently. When it came to this wet nurse system, though, it wasn't until the late 1700s, right before that stat about 20,000 of 21,000 kids going to wet nurses, when politicians turned focus on infant mortality rates and what that meant for nation building. And then a change happened. Westervelt says, quote, politicians and philosophers pointed to the custom of employing wet nurses as a problem. Women should be nursing their own children, they said, rather than sending them off to low-income women who couldn't afford to take care of themselves and must be producing subpar nutrition for the nation's babies, end quote. Nice demonizing the poor, taking away a vast work opportunity for lower-class women, and removing childcare in one fell swoop. Shifts like this over a long history have led us to where we are. 
a society that values production, competition, aggression, and dominance over collaboration, equality, and communication. And right now, we're stuck in the middle. Women have fought to make a place for themselves within that competitive, aggressive structure of work, and we're only just starting to see the beginnings of change towards more collaboration, towards a higher value on emotional intelligence and equality. Probably partially due to both millennial men and women recognizing that this structure isn't working for anyone. Working dads are more likely than working moms to say that they wish their work schedule allowed more time for their kids. But we're also not going to deny the economic push. That companies are realizing, finally, that they can use computers and robots to do labor and improve production, but they can't teach them to think. They can't teach a robot to manage a relationship or put themselves in the customer's shoes. And suddenly, those soft skills have become much more important. Things are shifting, but change won't happen overnight. So what can you do? First, recognize that what is expected of you and what you may be asking of yourself is impossible. You can't be the corner office, private plane, workaholic CEO strolling into meetings with a fantastic dress, perfect hair, and stilettos, and be the mama that is there to kiss every scrape, cut oranges for every soccer game, chaperone every field trip, and wipe every butt. There just aren't enough hours in the day, especially considering that you're a human being who needs to, you know, eat, sleep occasionally, maybe even read a book or go for a walk. I know, I know, it sounds crazy. But as silly as this sounds, when I say it like this, that is the image a lot of us have in our head of success, that we're this kick-butt boss mom who also manages to be the perfect ideal parent. We have to see this narrative as the craziness it is. Recognize that when it's all laid out, the people who matter don't really expect that of you. And let yourself release your soul from that impossible expectation trap that's causing you all that frustration and guilt. Next, you get to decide what having it all means to you. You and I are different people, obviously, but I'd be willing to bet good money that the impossible vision we just talked about isn't what you really want. For starters, I do not want to have to wear stilettos. But do you really want to be a workaholic? Would you be completely fulfilled spending 100% of your time kissing scrapes and chaperoning field trips? Do you want a life where you're constantly trying to fit both of those things into your day? To me... Having it all is more about feeling like enough in all areas of my life. It's doing work that fulfills me, improves the world, and earns the money I need to feel secure and plan for the future, while being able to close it down when I need to. My goal is to only work 30 hours a week, guys. Currently, this feels like a pipe dream, but I'm working on it. It's being a parent that's fully present when I'm physically present, and helping my kids form relationships with other adults and kids so they can be strong, happy, independent people. It's remembering that I am a human being and my own needs matter. As Janine Wolseley Bagsgard says, in the end, I'm the only one who can give my children a happy mother who loves life. What having it all means to you is going to be different from what it means to me. It's going to shift over time. Sometimes one area of your life will take the front seat, sometimes other areas will. But I encourage you to develop a practice that lets you hear your inner voice and If you have a partner, maintain open conversation with them about what you both want your lives to look like. This practice can be meditation, journaling, audio journaling, quiet walks on your own, whatever it takes for you to strip away all the external voices and get comfortable and confident in what works best for you. And finally, I encourage you to remember that you are not alone 
and that the standard systems that exist can simply make being a working mom hard and much harder depending on your race, marital status, or income level. Childcare is ridiculously expensive. The school day, when school is actually in session, fingers crossed for the fall, ends at 2.30 or 3 p.m. with random midday weeks off and half days all throughout the year. Assuming a parent is there to fill in the holes, even though most households don't have a stay-at-home parent. Paid sick days are limited and, well, kids and moms, remember, we're human too, guys, we get sick. Technology gives us more work options and better entrepreneurial opportunities, but healthcare is tied to standard W-2 jobs and individual plans are still prohibitively expensive for many families. If you don't have a partner with a steady job and insurance, opting out of standard work gets much, much harder. Add to all that that the mommy track is a real thing and that the gender wage gap gets wider for mothers, and this is a tough situation. No doubt about it. You can make conscious choices with your budget to make room for the security and life you want. You can overcome mental blocks and be open to earning more. You can overcome emotional blocks to let yourself ask for more help without feeling guilty. You can spend your money at companies that value women and mothers throughout their corporate system and push for better public policies to make parenthood easier for both men and women. You can create the life you want and leave a better world for our sons and daughters but it is going to be work. Through the journey, I encourage you to keep talking about it, to keep listening to podcasts like this one, because I'll be here figuring it all out with you. I hope you seek out other moms, like those in the Mamas Talk Money community, who are also looking to find their own definition of having it all. You're gonna need a place to feel heard and supported. Speak up for yourself and other mothers at work and in your community. It's the only way things can change. And if you're ever feeling like it's just you, wondering, why can't I do all this when Katie, Sally, Michelle, whoever you're peeking across the fence at, seems to do it flawlessly? I want you to remember that that is unequivocally, absolutely, not just you. It's a system that simultaneously idolizes motherhood while not supporting mothers or valuing moms as individuals outside their children. This month, we're going to talk about strategies for thriving within the system. We're going to talk about creating work you love and that pays you what you're worth, but we're also going to keep our eye on how we can make things better. Mamas, when you hear the term having it all, I want you to chuckle at the craziness of it. And then I want you to summon up your own image of what having it all means to you, what it means for your family. And I want you to focus on that, not what anyone else says you're supposed to do. You've got this. Mamas, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the realities of working motherhood. As a reminder, you can view the full show notes of this episode with links to the books and resources mentioned at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 37. Thank you again for listening to the Smart Money Mamas show. I love and appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, share it with a friend. I think all working mamas need a reminder that they get to define what success means for them. Keep talking money, mama. I'll see you next time.